0: Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast.
1: And then next year, I plant and I sow and I work hard and I sacrifice and I do what has to be done. And when it's my time, the locusts come in.
0: Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God
1: to continue this morning uh, talking about Gideon. We started talking about him last week. We're going to finish up talking about him this week. Um, just by way of review, uh, some things that we've you know, heard about Gideon is that he considered himself to be the least uh, in his household, and, and then he went a step further and considered his household to be the least uh, of the tribe that they were a part of. And uh, we know that at this time, the children of Israel were, um, uh, I guess, in bondage, so to speak. Uh, to what country? Who remembers who they were being oppressed by? Midian. Yeah. They were being oppressed by the Midianites. And and what were they doing? How were they oppressing them? We would see when we come across Gideon, yes, what? But they were plant their harvest and just like right time for, for them to gather Right. Right. So very good. Yeah, they would. They would let the Israelites do all the hard work, you know, because that's the, the heavy lifting part. Um, harvesting the crops is hard, too, but not like planting them and nurturing them and making sure that everything grows and that there's no pestilence that comes alone. Uh, you know, I just my little experience. With our little watermelon patch. There's just a whole bunch to it. You know, you can't, it's more than just putting the seed in the ground. You gotta make sure that, you know, it grows. And then once it starts growing, you gotta make sure that, you know, pests don't eat it before you can eat it. So they would let the Israelites do all the hard work. But then when it was time to reap the benefits of that hard work, it said that not only the Midianites, but some of their other neighbors to the east would come. And it described them coming like what? Insect. Locust, yeah. Locusts come fast and strong and heavy. And they would come like locusts and take everything and not leave anything. Yes, for the Israelites. Okay, that's also true today. When you look at people are healthy enough to go to work, people will work for 40 hours. They will not miss a day at work. But once they get that check, that check is gone. Just go yes, yeah, gone. that is true. And yes. Mm -hmm. And we can be oppressed by different things. I'll be right. Yeah. And it can be sometimes it is somebody outside coming in like you can work, bring your money into the household. And, you know, it could be bills that maybe you didn't make, but maybe, you know, a family member made. It could be sickness that you had no control over that come in. Just like as soon as you, you know, just get above water, somebody gets sick, and then you got all this money to the doctor's office or your car break down and you got to pay for that. You know, so sometimes it's things that are outside our control that come in like locusts. Just as soon as you get a little bit of money put aside... And come at it. But sometimes we are the locust in our lives. You know, I've been the locust in my life before. You know, it can be you go out and you work hard and you bring it and then you start saying, well, I deserve this. I deserve that. And why is it that we always deserve stuff we can't afford? Do you ever notice that? We always deserve the things that we can't afford. And so we go out and get something that we don't need to get, that we need to wait for. And then all of our what should be our harvest, our time to sit back and relax and enjoy, we don't get to because it gets devoured. And so then you got to spend the time where you should have been enjoying life out trying to find something to sustain you or trying to, you know, and we found Gideon in a small place in a cramped space trying to do something that he needed to been doing in a big space. And so then you are, I, I mean, just to hear that makes me feel oppressed that you got to be now, you know, trying to do stuff um, to make up for the time when you should have. Like, you know, just for all intents and purposes, we're supposed to work really hard when we're young, you know, work smart. Uh, pay, you know, your bills. You get your. It's when you're supposed to buy your house, so that you can work and have it paid for, and put your, you know, retirement away and your savings away, so that when you get to be in your 60s, 60, 65, that's when you're supposed to just relax. That's when you travel, you know. That's when you work because you just want something to do, not because you need the paycheck. But when we look around in our society, it used to be that way, but it's not like that anymore, is it? People work into their bodies, absolutely will not let them work any further. And then they try to draw Social Security, and then most of them, uh, or a good percentage of them, don't own their homes, so they're still making a house payment, or they're paying rent somewhere, or they're still trying to pay for a car, or trying to pay for somebody to take them somewhere, and they can't live off that little bit, and then they're still trying to work a side job, or they're still asking, you know, having to borrow from Peter to pay Paul, because they've spent their lives, what? They would plant, they would work, and then their locusts would come in. And every time it was time for the harvest, the locusts would come in. And so that's what we see here, um, what was going on with the children of Israel. Now, this went on in their lives for seven years. Now, and you think seven years, okay, well, you know. But seven years is a long time when you don't know what's going to end at year eight. Right When you just when you just know this is happening to me every year, it would be different. Like if sometimes when we're going through trials and tribulations, if we knew, like, I don't know about y'all, but if I knew, OK, if I'm going through this hard time and the Lord told me, OK, you're going through this, but you're only going to have to go through it for three months. I'm like, OK, yeah. I know when it's going, I can do that. I can do that. It get hard, but I can do that. Or if he told you, you're going to have this, you know, some things going on in your household and it's going to go on like that for seven years. But at the end of the seven years, you're going to be prosperous more than you could ever imagine. You, you're going to be free. Every, life is going to be wonderful. How many of you could stick it out for those seven years? Like, okay. But when you don't know, when all you know is every year I work hard and plant and every year at harvest, the locusts come in. And then next year, I plant and I sow and I work hard and I sacrifice and I do what has to be done. And when it's my time, the locusts come in. And then the next year, that's exhausting, right? It's easy to give up hope. And that's what we see with Gideon here when the angel, you know, appears to him and says, The Lord is with you. I don't, I can't see how. You know, if this is God with me, maybe he ought to leave me alone and maybe I could get somewhere. <laughs> you know? And so that's what we see. And it's easy now to see how he could be doubtful. You know, how he could be frustrated. How, you know, then when God speaks to him and tells him, I'm going to use you to deliver um, your people. If it, you know, in that situation, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever, God. And sometimes we do that. when we I know I've done it. You get called up for prayer and somebody has a word for you, all these great things, and you're like, yeah, okay, I heard that. Meanwhile, I'm going to go and get back out here in this car that may I may not start up. And I'm going to go home, you know, and have to listen to my phone ring if it hadn't been turned off to hear the bill collectors want to know when am I going to pay them. We have to go back to life that sometimes being devoured. But like Gideon, you know, sometimes if you have doubt, you got to be honest with God. Okay, God, if this is you, you're going to have to show me something. I'm going to need some confirmation. Because the words sound good, but look at where I'm living, God. I'm out here. I'm in the wine press trying to thresh some wheat. I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to need something to know that this is really you. And we have to be honest with ourselves. It doesn't make me any less saved if, when the God and when God gives me a word, if I have to look at Him and say, "Lord, I need some—I need some confirmation. I'm, I just—it's hard for me to believe. I want to believe, but I, all I can see are my circumstances. All I can see are my situations. All I can remember is that every year or every time I feel like I'm getting ahead, I get dragged back down. Yeah. So I want to believe you that you say that this good thing is going to happen and that you're going to use me for this. Amen. But you got to help my unbelief. Amen. Right. Amen. And we need to be sincere with God when we pray. It doesn't make sense to put on all these airs and do all these things. Fa- it may impress us, but you, you got to live with you. Amen. <laughs> and if when you if, if God is telling you something and you having a hard time yes. receiving it, then you just got to be up front with God. You know, hey, that sounds good, but you got you to gotta help a sister out. I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm not feeling it, God. I want to, but this is all I can see is that every time I get pushed back down, I get pushed to the back, something, something happens. And just like when we just barely get above water, it all comes crashing back amen, down. Amen. And it just seems to go on and on and on. So, we're going to be honest with God this morning. <clears throat> we're going to pick up in chapter 7. Now, Gideon finally has his head on straight and he says, Okay, I believe you, Lord. And he goes out, he makes the call and says, Hey, we're going to take the Midians. Who's with me? Amazingly enough, 32,000 people are also at the point where they're like, Hey, anything's going to be better than this. I'll go. What's the worst can happen? I die and I'm free from this, right? Sometimes we have to have that attitude. Fine, God, I'll go. You know, or like, you know, the lepers that were sitting outside the city. Hey, we'll go in. If maybe we can get something to eat, what's the worst? They'll kill us. Well, if we keep sitting here, we're going to die anyway. (laughs) I'm going to die. And that's what you keep sitting in that bondage. You're going to die anyway. You may not die physically, but you'll die emotionally yes. in an oppressive situation. Yes. You know, you just won't have any hope. And I don't want to live life without any hope. Amen. So you're like, okay, fine, we will go. What's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Physically, i die, and at least I'm released from this torment of all this hard work and never getting anywhere. God said, go, all right, Gideon will go. And so Gideon's like, okay, hey, we got 32,000 still just a drop in the bucket. You know, you've already said that your enemy is like locusts which is like you just look locusts dark in the sky when they come because there's so many of them. And so you think, okay, it's just us few against them, but God said we could do this thing. So we're going to do this. We're going to do this thing. <clears throat> but the Lord says, all right, hey, wait up, Gideon. You still got too many people. Because I don't want, you know, y'all get out there. It's, it's, it's already bad enough you don't remember the things I've done for you in the past. But if you get out there with all these people and y'all win, then you're going to think you did it. And you're really not going to believe I had anything to do with it. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, God, oh, what men? We got just these few thousand. But did you see the enemy? They've got countries on their side. But the Lord says, no, no, hey. And so they go through a shifting. And first thing is, who all fearful and afraid, you can go. And over half the army says, hey, okay, you know, I was, I thought I could do this. <laughs> but upon, you know, further inspection, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the house. I, I, we will hold down the camp, make sure everybody at home is safe while y'all go off and do your thing. And sometimes we're like that. You get ready to go to battle, spiritual warfare in the church. And you may have people say, Okay, I'm with you. We're going to come and we're going to join together and we're going to pray and come against the walls of the enemy. And then some people get here and they think, You know, I you start going and get Satan. He gets stirred up and things go to happening in your life. And you think, Well, I'm, I'm going to leave well enough alone. Y'all go ahead. I'm gonna, I don't need to take the chance that it get no worse back at home. I'm afraid. Nothing wrong with being afraid. Everybody's afraid sometimes, but these men were de- were described as fearful. Now we have this movie we watched. We started watching a little bit last night. I, I like it. I've only I've seen it, you know, a couple times. It's called Three Hundred. Y'all may have seen Three Hundred, and it makes me think about it because Gideon ends up going out with three hundred men anyway. So these are three hundred Spartans. They're just bred for battle. They're just soldiers. That's all. They, that's what they do from the time they're little. These men are, you know, raised to fight. And so they get, you know, they're going uh, to battle, just the, just the 300 of them, not even their whole army, just the 300, and they're going against an enemy that's described as like locusts. Um, when they come at you, just like, you know, when they hit you, you know you've been hit. You know, they take it all. And so they're coming against them, and they meet up against uh, another uh, army put together from another country. And they're coming and they were going to join forces with him to go against this common enemy. And they're like, Hey, we brought, you know, more people than you, more soldiers than you. It's just, I thought you was going to bring your whole army. You just got 300. And uh, so then yeah, that's a good part of the movie. But they go through that. But anyway, so they get to battle and you see the enemy afar off. I mean, he's not even right here at you. He's afar off. And one of the men just already is like, Oh, we ain't going to make it. You know, look at all of them. We, you know, in other words, we're just going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> And one of the Spartans looked at me he was like, man, quiet yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I like that. You know, because that to me speaks more than just shut up. He said, you need to stop talking. You need to get a hold of yourself on the inside too. You yeah. need. But he was fearful. <laughs> and as the movie you know, sort of goes on, even as different things change in there, like, no, you know, we're going to fight, we can do this thing. That man it comes up with every reason why. I was like, you know, oh, you could just, in my mind, you could just, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. You know, and, and I can see how, in a military situation, you don't want to be standing next to the guy who, when the enemy is way off, they haven't even attacked you yet. There's still an ocean that separates you. The guy next to you is like, man, we're going to die. <laughs> it's, look at all of them. It ain't but a few of us. Mm-hmm. Look at what they did to that, because they had gone past this, a, a camp, a, a town that had already been destroyed and had the people twisted all up, hanging in the trees. I mean, that's that strikes fear in you when you look at your, you know, because they're now describing them as demons and ghosts, and you can't kill them, they're immortal. That's what they meant. They're immortal. They won't die. I'm like... Dude, don't, let's not talk about the enemy that way. Don't tell me he can't die. I mean, you. (laughs) and so I can see what God will say. Those of you that are fearful, because that's more than being afraid, fearful to me, full of fear. You can't talk about nothing but how afraid you are and how hopeless this situation is. Y'all need to go home because we're doing all we can to stand. And I can't when you just keep on. Man. We just we going not only we gonna die, we're gonna die horribly. Did you see how he had it it was up in the trees? That wasn't necessary. Look at him coming all in boats. It's just this us few. What are we out here for? And we can be that way. You look at all that Satan can do. Look at what he did to them over there. What we want to go up against him for? Time is hard but at least he dropped their family dropping left and right over there. Everybody got some kind of sickness, they can't keep a job. They getting put out their house. I got a few bill collectors calling. I'm just going to stay right here cuz Satan play he don't, you know, play easy with you. He knows what buttons to push. We better leave him alone cuz I heard that if you don't stir up nothing if you just sort of hang in the middle, I'm saved. I ain't trying to get nobody else saved. I'm just going to, I heard he'll leave you alone if you don't stir up. So let's just, shh. I love the Lord. He knows. God. You know, God. I ain't got, nobody else got to know. It's just, we're going to have a secret love affair, just me and you. And Satan will leave me alone. We don't want to be like that. You don't want to be around people that's fearful like that. So God sends them home. And he's still, you know, Gideon's left for 10,000. Lord, still, that's, that's, that's too many. So then you're like, do God. Why are you going to make me do it alone? And so he goes to another shifting, ends up with 300 people. So now we've got 300 people. We're ready to go to battle against the locust, And the Lord says, we can do this thing. And so we um, have here in chapter 7, The Lord says to Gideon, by the 300 men, uh, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your land. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Remember we said how they would flee to the mountains. The Israelites would flee to the mountains. And uh, the Midianites were down uh, in the valley. So here we come with a wonderful strategy. That was another thing about the movie that I like. When you have few in number, you've got to have some good tactics. You've got to have a strategy. And strategy outweighs numbers every time. If you got your head on right and you got a game plan, you can take a few and you can do a lot, a lot more than you can with a lot of people bumbling around, not knowing what's going on. And so God gives him a strategy. So they're, they're up uh, in the mountains and it happens the same night. The Lord uh, says to Gideon, arise, go down against the camp for I've delivered it into your hands. But if you are afraid, you just got to love the Lord, right? He, he knows our hearts, He looks out for us. Yes. He says, but you're afraid if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened uh, to go down um, against the camp. And so the Lord gives them a strategy. Okay, you and you can take take a buddy with you if you're a little bit skittish and y'all going to sneak over into the enemy's camps. You can hear what they're talking about. Now, isn't it wonderful whenever so often? God sort of opens the heavenlies and lets you hear uh, what the enemy's plotting and planning against you, what they're saying. So Gideon and his servant, they go to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in the multitude. Now don't that paint a picture for you. People like locusts, camels like sand on the sea, this is a big old scary army down there. We got what you just these few hundred, you know, and in the movie, they're going against the Persians and they like, you know, everywhere you look, that's all you can see. <laughs> and here they are, the Israelites. You look down in the valley and that's all you can see is an enemy and not just an enemy that is coming against you, but an enemy that has beat you time and time again. They know what to do. They run you up into the hills every year. They keep you running. And so here they are looking down at them. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. Now they get to the uh, enemy's camp. And uh, one of the soldiers is uh, talking to a a companion. He says, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so hard that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. That calls for worship, doesn't it? When you know that the enemy has had a dream, that you're coming, and the Lord's going to deliver you into their hands. Uh, And so he worshipped, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered uh, the camp of Midian into your hands, uh, then He divided the three hundred men into three companies, and He put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers and He said to them, "Look at me, and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet and, and uh, when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me." Then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So here there's their strategy. They're dividing up into companies and they've all got you know, their weapons, so to speak. And they're going to surround about the enemy <clears throat> and they're going to all act uh, in one accord. So Gideon and the hundred men uh, who were with him came to the outposts of the camp at the beginning of the watch Just as they had posted the watch. So these are new people just coming, just sort of a changing of the guards. Um, And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies below the trumpet, then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried, and fled. So here you got the locusts. But can you imagine, you're in the middle of the night, just heard sort of the changing of the guards. And all of a sudden, you hear this loud, or 300 people blowing trumpets. That's got to be loud. And they're up in the mountains, so there's like an echo. And then you hear this breaking of something. And then you see all this light. Now, you know, <laughs> all that coming at you and you aren't expecting it. And so they, a whole army, you know, they, they jump up and they cry out and they run. And you, and you got locals, they run and scared. You know, because sometimes, just because you got the large number of people, you know, just to flashback to the movie, they were trained military, right, going against people who were just, you know, sort of drafted, you know, in the military. There's a difference. When you've got somebody that's been trained to fight, and that's all they know And you got somebody who was drafted to fight because they look like they ought to be able to hold a weapon. There's a difference, right? And so they do this, and the army uh, flees, and they pursue after them. And the men of Israel, and then they they call back and gather uh, the rest of them. The 300 have already got the army running and scared. So then they send messengers back. Okay, now the rest of y'all, y'all come on back and help us fight. And so they fight, and they're able to um, defeat a good portion of the army. And then they go on, and they you know, continue to battle on, and they're able to fight even more of the army. And so uh, they subdue Midian. And we jump on over to chapter 8. <clears throat> and the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandsons also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. So now they're wanting like this sort of dynasty set up. Gideon, you did a good job. And we want you to stay over us, you know, to keep us in line. And then when you die, you let your son take over. And then when your son dies and your grandson can take over, because you figure this, this family knows what they're talking about. You know, everybody's happy when you've been set free. And you start doing all these crazy things. You know, you say I make all these promises and vows, because you're just giddy with freedom, right? Because <laughs> you've been, you know, you've been just locked up and now... You know, hey, you're feeling now. We've just been victorious. So they start making all these promises, and they want him to rule over him. And Gideon is like, no, uh, you know, I'm not going to rule over you. My son's not going to rule over you. The Lord's going to rule over you. Because you remember, all along, the Lord was like, let me be your king. But they kept wanting kings like the rest of the people had. And you would think after a while, they would realize, it ain't working for you. And sometimes we need to stop in our lives and think, what are we putting, what kind of structure are we putting in our lives? Because sometimes it's not working for you. And you may have to make some changes instead of running about saying, okay, we're going to do things this way. If you keep doing things that way and every so often you keep ending up in bondage, then it's time to regroup, right? Time to step back and say, maybe we ought not do things that way. Maybe we ought to, you know, what what is God saying? You know, he's saying he wants to rule over us, Maybe he knows what he's talking about. Since we keep coming to him when we get in the jam and he delivers us, perhaps we ought to listen. But we don't because we always think we know best, don't we? we? We really do. We may not say that, but the very fact that we're willing to do what we want to do as opposed to what God has told us to do is evidence that we think we know best. And God, I just need you to help me when I get out. You know, I'm in this jam. You just help me get out. I can take over from there. But I just need you, when, I'm in, when I get you know, too deep in, I'll call on you because that's what they would do. When we get in here and things are going bad, I'll holler for you. Then you come on up and you help me get out of the situation and you know, restore everything that, that has been gone. And then I'll take it over from there because I know how to better do this thing on the day by day. And you just wait back over there. And when I need you again, I'll holler for you. It sounds ridiculous, don't it? But we do that all the time <laughs> we do that. Okay. And so Gideon says, no, no, I'm not going to, not going to rule over you. are not going to do that. Um, and so there was peace in the land for 40 years, uh, in the days of Gideon. Now Gideon has them to bring all their gold and stuff. And he makes an e which was like a garment that priests would wear. And it was also sort of like a, uh, had to do with their worship. Well, that wasn't the best of ideas because you've got a group of people that are already sort of prone to idol worship and that's exactly what they did they started to worship the thing and then they started to worship Baal and then here we are back in the situation we were in at the beginning we are back to worshiping a god uh, a false god, somebody other than Jehovah and I'm sure y'all can predict what happens next right? just like in our own lives God delivers us. Things go well for a season. And then we start to forget uh, that it was him that delivered us and that he says, have no other God before me. And we get so caught up in living our lives that then we forget that we're supposed to acknowledge him and worship him and seek his direction for our life. And we start calling the shots ourselves. And then we may not actually go and fall down upon, uh, you know, a graven image. We, most of us, I wouldn't think anybody, knew, but I don't know. I don't have any uh, images made of gold or wood or silver in my house that I fall down in front of. Amen, amen. But I have put things ahead of God. Yes, yes. Right. I may not have, you know, said, oh, you are mighty, you know, deliver me, oh, statue of so-and-so. But I have looked at situations and thought, Samiko can handle this because she's pretty is smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can do this thing. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have done that. We have looked at things and we're, you know, about, well, I've, I've got to do this, I've got I to work, and there's nothing wrong with work, and I I love to see people at work. But sometimes we will put things ahead of God and we will say, because we're so quick to say, well, you know, God will understand. He knows I have to do this. Uh, You know, and we don't get up and pray because we stayed up too late the night before and we're tired. And what do we say? God will understand my body needs rest. You know, i got to sleep. So, okay, I love you, God. I'll pray later. Or we don't read the Bible because we'll say, well, I just don't understand it when I read. Well, God knows my heart. You know, this is a favorite. People say, God knows my heart. Um, He'll understand that if I understood the Bible more, I would read it more. I could probably go and find somebody to explain it to me, but I'm not going to do all that. I'll just not read it. So sometimes we will, and we will slowly, it's always such a gradual thing that you just, we're not aware of it until we get way out, and then we get in trouble. And then we realize that the locusts are running me off again. And then you think, Well, God, where are you? You said you was gonna be with me. And he's like, I'm still standing right here. You kept walking off from me. I kept trying to tell you you're walking off from me and you didn't wasn't listening. Every every time I tried to put roadblocks in front of you. I had other people come up and say, but you didn't hear. So I'm still right here. Right here where you left me, when you kept saying, God knows my heart, he'll understand. (laughs) And then you call out to him. And he's so faithful that he will send somebody or, you know, reach out and grab us and pull us back. And then for a while, we're just loving him and serving him. And you get every five minutes. Wait, I need to have a word of prayer. Oh, he's just so good. Let me share this testimony with you. God is just so good. You know, and we're putting on the worship music. And y'all don't want to hear nothing else but worship, praise and worship. I just, I just. Oh, just a oh, goodness. Oh, he's so, so, so sweet. And then we start to slowly but surely get sidetracked. And then we start, well, they got some good stuff happening over there. I'll, I'll be right back. I'll be right, right here. We will be right back, God. And then we get out then. Yes. And then we find ourselves oppressed. Yes. And here come the locusts. And what do we say? God, why you got me going through this test? Why are you putting me through this and he's like, what? what? I, why? I, I didn't do any of that. I'm standing right here. We had a good thing going. Amen. Amen. I don't know what you're doing over there. I kept trying to tell you. Amen. But all you could say was what? God knows my heart uh-huh. Uh-huh. until we get in the gym. Amen. So uh, let's try. Now, I know we're not going to change overnight. We are who we are. Yeah. The Lord knows we are who we are. But let's be mindful of the decisions that we make in our lives. Let's look at how we can, we can worship God. Now, that's not to say that you don't know how to do things. Now, you can be smart and intelligent. There is nothing wrong with asking God for direction in your life because he can see further than us. You know, you know people, women always talk about men don't want to ask for directions because they're going to figure it out. You know, that's how we are with God. We don't want to ask for directions. Why? He knows. Why don't you want to stop? You don't know where you're going. You got somebody that knows where they're going. It sounds ridiculous. If you're riding riding down the road, you don't know how to get there. Stop at the gas station. They live in the town. They know where it is. No, I'm going to find it. And that's what we do with God. God knows the best route for our lives to get us where we need to go in a timely fashion. And he was like, if you just ask me, I will guide you. And most of the times, he's already trying to guide us. We don't even have to ask. We just don't even listen. He's saying we just won't even listen. Because what are we saying? That's all right. I can find it. I'll find it. I'll eventually get there. You know, I turn down so many one-way streets, and, you know, I may get over here in this construction, it may take me a while, but that's all right, God. I'll find it. And he's like, you don't have to find it. I'm, I will show you. Amen. No, 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 God. I'm going to find it. So let's not be that way. Right? God loves us, and instead of spending so much of our time trying to get out of jams that we've gotten ourselves into, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could spend more of that time enjoying the life that he's given us, right? Enjoying our families, enjoying our friends, you know, having a happy, peaceful life. We've been learning about peace. There's so much peace that we could have if we just listened to what God was telling us to do. Let's let him be our king, right? Let's let him rule over us instead of us trying to rule over ourselves. Thank you all so much for being a part of our Sunday school program.
0: Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by Wave CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned and I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org.